March 1998. American Amy Bradley, 23, vanishes from a cruise ship in the Caribbean. Over the years, credible sightings of Amy would be reported across the region, and those fascinated with the case would be torn. Has Amy been alive this entire time, or did she die on the cruise? Sources for this episode include The Charlie Project, The FBI, Dr. Phil, Disappeared, Hue and Cry, and People. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 72 of Unknown Passage, a podcast that tells the stories of those who have gone missing or have been murdered abroad. So back for another episode, and before I get into that, I want to say welcome to new patron Terry. Just before I was going to record this, I um, saw that she'd come through, he or she. It's usually with an I, it's a woman, isn't it? Anyway, Terry's chocolate orange. Terry's chocolate orange. Thank you for coming on board. Um, Got a few... I got a few interesting reviews this week. Um, I'll wait to tell you one of them for when Lorena comes back on. The other one was basically that I rambled too much and demanding me to edit this podcast, which I won't fucking be doing, and um, basically saying that I read from a guidebook and what's the point of telling the listener about the place, just get on with the case, which I I don't even, I can't even, I can't even, I don't even know where to start with that because... Like I obviously some people in, you know, the backwoods of, you know, somewhere in their trailer don't understand the concept of geography and, you know, opening your eyes to the world around you. But I do. And so do my listeners. So um, thank you so much. It's weird. I was talking to Lorena and we were saying, you know, if you don't like a podcast, just move on. There's no need to leave like a crappy review um, being really bitchy. It's I've never, ever done that. And I know someone who never leaves a bad review for Airbnb, even though it may be bad because you know they say that you've been in someone's home um they don't want to do that I just I just don't get it I've never left a a nasty review for anything um I've yeah you have to twist my arm to get me to leave you know a positive review and to go on there so I just I just don't understand it but I don't really care because I used to have a friend in uni who um Rocky, who I was friends with for a long time, who used to say that he kind of got a little bit of a kick, um, got got a little bit turned on when people hated him. And I'm trying to embrace that. So now um, welcome to episode 72. I have an interesting case coming up that I realize that a lot of you know. Um, I'll get into that in a minute. I just want to say quickly, I just signed up again for Netflix. I don't really watch it that much, but I watched the, Lorena was telling me to watch the Richard Ramirez, you know, series. And um, that's, you know, I know that case so well that I decided to go and watch it. And I thought it was so good with the interviews with the cops and everything like that. It was so well done, the visuals, everything like that. And then she told me to watch the Cecil Hotel one. And um, I, I watch a YouTuber who has been getting like death threats for appearing on that. And I didn't really understand why. So I went and watched it and it has very similar visuals to the Richard Ramirez um, miniseries. Netflix has that look about it, you know, like a David Fincher movie kind of. And um, I just I had to turn it off around episode three. I, I <laughs> that case, I don't want anyone to ask me to do it, please, because everyone has dipped their toe and had their finger in the pie of Elisa Lamb's fucking case. And I've pretty much said from the start of this podcast when I've brought it up, she clearly had a mental breakdown. And I know this because I've had one. So I'm not going to do that case and be another voice in it, muddling it. Her parents are so sweet. They're like really quiet Chinese people. And I think we should kind of leave them now. Um, that case, she clearly just wasn't on her meds. And, you know, I've, I know exactly what she was probably going through because I've been through it before. So I just don't want to do that case. So don't ask me to do it. Um, and the other case, before I get into this one, just to remind people, there's a couple of cases I don't want to do. I try to do cases that people haven't heard of before. Even this this week was breaking my rules a little bit, but um, I don't want to do Natalie Holloway, which kind of comes up in this case that I'll be talking about, Amy Bradley, but um, I don't want to also do Madeleine McCann because as when I started this podcast on an early episode, I said that I don't want to some people have got so much attention like Madeline McCann and her parents continue to say they haven't got enough when she was literally at one point statistically the most you know well-known name in the world um so I try to stick to people who you know 
you haven't heard of or, you know, people who have gone missing while traveling. So I don't want to do Natalie Holloway um, because I think we all know what happened there. Um, I don't want to do Elisa Lam and I don't want to do um, Madeline McCann at all. If you're interested in those, um, you know, there's a really good mini series or docu series on on Madeline McCann on Netflix, which was awesome. I couldn't do any better than that. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, with that being said, this is a Patreon location request for um, Jennifer. Jennifer is a patron for a bit over a month. She is from outside of San Francisco. I guess you'd call that the Bay Area. And um, yeah, she just sent me some really nice words when she became a patron. So that was awesome. Now, she put, she basically said um, anywhere in the Caribbean, but then she said your the Amy Bradley case could do with your insights into it. And so I decided to do that, even though when I put the hint up on Patreon, pretty much everybody guessed when I put a cruise liner up, um, Tony, um, Lainey, you guys were like Amy Bradley. And I was like, oh, shit, everyone knows this. So I'm breaking my own rules a little bit. But because not everyone knows this, it's not like Madeline McCann or Natalie Holloway. Um, so she said it would be really good to do that. And then just about a week ago, a new patron came on board who actually said that as well. And I wrote back and said, I'm actually doing it this week. So um, now it's one of my pet cases pretty much since I heard about it whenever the disappeared episode was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. I just found it incredibly interesting. I love ship cases. I love maritime mysteries and I love cruise ship disappearances. There's way too many to choose from. This is the second one we'll be doing. The first one we did was Tammy Grogan, who was the woman who went on that ill-fated trip with her son who was being groomed by... I know, a pedophile. Um, it's a case I know extremely well. So researching it for myself, it was all very familiar to me. Um, and I'm probably not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm probably not going to say in cinnamon's going in the wardrobe to sleep. Um, I'm probably not going to say anything that's going to surprise you or anything like that or have a really crazy take on this case. I've always had my opinions on what, you know, happened in this case. And after researching it for myself, I still feel I still feel the same. Um, so, yeah, um, this is a very similar case to Natalie Holloway, only because it happened, she went missing in Aruba. I think we all know what happened to her. Um, that's why I don't want to do it, because Joran van der Sloot has got way too much attention. He's already in prison for killing someone else. Um, she didn't go missing off a cruise ship, but Amy Bradley did go missing off a cruise ship outside of Curacao, as they were docking in a place called Curacao, which is actually not that far from Aruba. So that's why the two you know, get married together. So with all that being said, because that listener hates me rambling, um, let's get into the case of Amy Bradley. Amy Lynn Bradley was born on May the 12th, 1974 in Petersburg, Virginia. Her parents were Ron and Ivor Bradley, and her brother was Brad, who was two years younger than her. Um, now, if Amy was alive today. She'd be 46. And at the time of her disappearance off a cruise ship in the Caribbean, she was 23. Amy, I wish I knew a bit more about her. The same stuff kind of gets churned out about her. Um, it was 1998, so we don't have social media or anything to go off. But Amy was a strong swimmer and she was also a trained lifeguard. But despite this, she had quite a fear of going out in the open ocean, which would come into play in this case. Now, she attended college in Longwood, Virginia. She went there on a basketball scholarship. So she's obviously a fit, athletic person. She graduated with a degree in physical education and at the time of her disappearance, she had a new job coming up. She just graduated. She was starting work at a computer consulting firm after she returned from this cruise. So it was a really exciting time in Amy's life. She was excited for her new job. She was getting a new home um, and she had a pet bulldog, Bailey, that she loved. Now, from other sources, she just got a new cat or something, but I couldn't find that anywhere. So I don't know where they get that from. Now, her dad, Ron, he was an in, he worked in insurance in some capacity and he, through some, you know, sales target, um, won a cruise through work. Now, actually, one thing that I haven't seen talked about is that this cruise was actually only for two people. So it was really just going to be Ron and his wife, Iva. Um, but Ron really wanted to take Brad and Amy on this cruise because it was really the last time that they would have this big trip together as a family before Amy went on to her new job and Brad was 21 at the time as well. 
Um, now, because of her fear of kind of the open ocean, Amy was initially apprehensive to go on this cruise, this cruise, which I'll get into their itinerary, but it was basically going from Puerto Rico where they would board um, down to Aruba, Curacao, a couple of other little islands and then returning. It was going to go for a week. Now, because of her fear of the water, she was initially apprehensive to go, but she was talked into it, you know, because her mum, dad and brother were all going and she was so close to them. Now, describe Amy a little bit. Those of you who know the case probably can kind of can picture what she looked like. She was white. Um, she had kind of short brown hair, which was quite popular, you know, in the 90s to have not really a pixie cut, but um, kind of a short cut and most of the pictures that I have of her it's either dyed blonde or it's brown but most of them it's short um, she was about five foot seven 115 to 120 pounds quite slim she had multiple ear piercings and a belly button ring as well now I'm going to read you the description of her tattoos that she had because they're very distinctive um, and they will come into play later this is what the Charlie project has the tattoos down as quote she has the following tattoos a baby Tasmanian devil on the back of her left shoulder a green and blue gecko lizard around her navel a japanese symbol on her right ankle and a primitive japanese sun tattooed on her lower back unquote um a couple of them are really similar i've got a couple of tattoos and a couple of them are similar one of them is almost almost identical um now amy was a cigarette smoker she smoked marlboro reds i think from memory um yeah and i loved the fact that she had a tasmanian devil there i know it's from like looney tunes and that but I actually was just reading an article last night about a man who had heard, heard, heard like a scratching outside his house in Tasmania um, and he went outside and there was a little Tasmanian devil baby like scratching and it was stuck between a chair and a wall or something like that and he freed it and it was very, I find them very creepy actually. <laughs> so... I'm going to kind of describe this cruise ship to you because I actually have quite a knowledge of it. And that's because my mum got really into cruises at one point. Um, and she has been on the Rhapsody of the Seas, which is the one that Amy disappeared from, I think, three times mum's been on it. Um, she loves them. She just wishes she could go by herself. Um, now, the Rhapsody of the Seas is this massive um, cruise ship by Royal Caribbean, which is basically the greatest cruise ship liner and brand in the world the rhapsody of the seas is one of its biggest liners it's huge i've seen mum's pictures and i've also looked um at them online and they it pretty much came in in 1997 the rhapsody of the seas so they've got like different ship names the ovation of the seas is a bit smaller and then the rhapsody of the seas is the big the big mama now it's 297 meters long and it carries between 2,000 and 2,500 passengers at any one time and around 765 crew. Now, the Rhapsody does routes all over the world, so it's not just the Caribbean route that they have it going back and forth on. It does Mediterranean ones, um, the Greek islands, Croatia, Italy. Um, in the Pacific, the South Pacific, which is the one that my mum has been to where you go to New Caledonia and um, one goes to Fiji, Tahiti, Vanuatu, places like that, the Isle of Pines, um, and then you've got an Atlantic ones, Adriatic ones, um, and there's currently, at the time I tell you this, 13 current itineraries for the Rhapsody of the Seas, and that's in 2021 because I don't think any of them are, <laughs> I don't think any of them are going at the moment. It said the one that's coming up is it starts again in May, so if any of you want to go on a cruise, maybe that's something we could do together. Now the ship had just been debuted about a year before it started in 1997 the Rhapsody so when Amy was on it it was like brand spanking new it was recently refurbished again in 2016 so what I'm going to tell you is what it has on it now but it would have had similar things on it in 1998 so on board the Rhapsody there are endless cafes and restaurants there's like 50 of them bars nightclubs pools pool parties casinos theaters ballrooms plays um spas wellness you know centers gyms shops film nights rock climbing walls dance classes it's like a massive massive floating city you know on the sea it's it's amazing and the photo the photos of it are really i'm kind of getting to the age where i kind of would enjoy this kind of thing i used to think that i'd hate cruises um but Actually, I kind of like it because it just takes all the pressure off. You don't have to think of anything. You literally just put your credit card down at the start and then hopefully you don't get too carried away because everything costs like double. So a cocktail costs like $30 on it. Um, but there's tons for kids to do on the Rhapsody as well. My mum took my little brother on one of them when he was quite young, I think 11. Um, there's tons to do kind of kids 
you know, play areas, kids' pools, whirlpools, all this stuff. Now, I'm guessing in 1998 they had similar, maybe not to the extent, but it's only like 23 years ago or something, you know. So it's really not that long ago. But the photos of it, it doesn't look as polished, um, the Rhapsody, as it does now, but it still would have been quite expensive to go on. Now, it docks at specific ports for the day, like most cruise ships do. So you get like a day, you know, in Aruba um, and then you get back on and you have your meal and that and go to sleep. Um, when Amy disappeared, it was docking in a small island, very small island called Curacao, which is the namesake of Blue Curacao, which is a, you know, kind of mixer for cocktails. Now, that's going to bring us to March 21st, 1998. Amy, her mum and dad and her younger brother Brad set off on Royal Caribbean's Rhapsody of the Seas. They actually boarded it in San Juan, Puerto Rico, which I thought was interesting because a lot of them board mostly in Tampa, Miami, places like that in Florida. I looked to see if they still go from Puerto Rico and one of the Royal Caribbean liners does go from Puerto Rico. That is normal. So you have to get your way down to Puerto Rico and then you know, back from Puerto Rico when you dock. The cruise was meant to be for a week and Amy would disappear basically on her fourth day there. Um, it would go to Aruba, then Curacao, a couple of other islands, then home. Um, Amy, according to most sources, she was very kind of talkative with people on the ship. She got along clearly with everyone. Um, she was chatting with different waiters, obviously, the crew is almost 800 people so it's not that fun to be a crew member on a cruise ship from all I know I know a couple of people who have done it it's hard work it doesn't it's not fun like you think it would be um and you have to share really close quarters and things like that but she kind of got along with different waiters um you know probably had a smoke with a couple of them on their breaks um she was talking to different people she was only 23 so she's incredibly young and probably doesn't want to spend the whole cruise ship time with her parents now, the first night and the first couple of nights that they were there, um, the 21st and the 22nd, Amy and her parents kind of eased in the, into their trip. Most indications are that Amy and Brad had a different room. I can't honestly find the exact answer to that. Some sources say that they had a separate room, but the dad could see from his room onto the kids' room's balcony. I think Amy and Brad would have had to have had a separate room because the parents had won the cruise ship and then her dad had had to pay separate to get Amy and Brad on the cruise with them. Um, it's either that or they upgraded to a larger room. I can't find the answer literally anywhere. Um, I don't think it really matters it, if they had like a large kind of suite, but I think they had two separate ones. Um, now, <clears throat> Amy's mum told Dr. Phil, who actually they went on it in 2005 on Dr. Phil, and most of the long quotes I'm going to read to you are from Dr. Phil because the transcript is on the website. Um, so Amy's mum talked to Dr. Phil about some things she noticed when they got on the ship. Quote, when we were on the ship, we noticed immediately there was a tremendous amount of attention towards Amy from the crew members. After dinner, the waiter came out from the dining room and asked me where Amy was. And I asked him why. And he said, well, we want to take her to Carlos and Charlie's, unquote. Now, if you know anything about the Natalie Holloway case, you will know that Carlos and Charlie's was the club which a lot of kind of tourists go to where Natalie Holloway had met Euron van der Sloot before he quote-unquote allegedly killed her. Now, Ron, her dad, added, quote, when the waiter asked, I thought it was maybe a little forward of him to be asking those types of questions. When Amy came back, I said, the waiter wants to take you to Carlos and Charlie's with his friends. And then Amy looked at me and said, they're creepy and I'm not going anywhere with them, unquote. I'm going to go out on a limb and this is going to surprise you. I don't think any of that is strange at all that they would ask or anything like that. The crew members are paid to give you like an amazing service and a lot of them are quite young. The tremendous amount of attention the mum talks about I don't think is a weird thing. I'm just going to say from the outset, a lot of people have the issues with Amy's parents because pretty much they pointed the finger at everyone. And while I do, I understand like why they would be so stressed out and, you know, trying to get answers for Amy. Um, but they seem to find things that aren't there in things that they remember from the trip. Um, that's just my opinion, that it was probably young people. They knew that she was on a trip with her parents and they were docking in Aruba and they were going to go party and they wanted to see if she wanted to come. I mean, she's legal age. She's young. She'd been in the nightclub um, on the cruise. You know, maybe they were just trying to, you know, take her out because she'd been chatty with them. I don't think any of that is weird, but Amy did say they're creepy and I'm not going anywhere with them. So that, you know, all we know is that Amy said that from her parents. Take that how you will. 
a lot of people believe that the parents have made up a lot of this stuff to try to get answers and to get traction. I honestly can't tell you. So that brings us to the night of the 23rd of March, 1998. Now, <clears throat> the ship had just left its last port before Amy disappeared, which was Arajastad, which is in Aruba, which is where Natalie Holloway went missing um, and the place that they wanted to take her out partying Amy. <clears throat> and it was heading to its next port, Curacao, overnight, which is a overseas territory of the Netherlands. So it looks very Dutch and everyone speaks Dutch. On this last night that Amy was around before she disappeared, the cruise ship had what most cruise ships have. It's like the captain's dinner where everyone dresses up very, you know, black tie. Everyone gets dressed up and has this fancy dinner. Um, and most cruise ships do it still to this day. Now, a photographer was hired, a cruise ship photographer, to take photos of people, you know, at this dinner. And there was a photo taken of Amy and her brother Brad, which you can find and I will put on the Patreon. Now, once these were all done, the cruise ship photographer printed them all the same night um, and he pinned them all outside on a photo board. And then people would come along and they would find their picture like at an amusement park or something and they would buy their picture and it's just another thing that you have to pay for on a cruise ship. Now... Later on, this picture of Amy around the time she disappeared would go missing from this board um, and the photographer was questioned later on and he told the family and police that he precisely remembered printing the photo of Amy and Brad, pinning it up and to this day no one knows what happened to that picture so I just thought I'd tell you that now. Now, early in the night, um, Amy's mum said this about what was going on. Quote, there was a dance troupe that was allowed on board the ship. There was a bass player who I noticed, and he was a very unsavoury looking character. Amy told her brother Brad that the bass player had been hitting on her. She said that he was a real jerk, unquote. Now, I just want to say that we only have what her family has said to go on. So whether or not that's been adjusted with time, I don't know. But basically, she's saying that at Aruba, a band was allowed to come on board to do you know the leg the next leg of the trip and as entertainment and she's talking about this bass player who would be a main player in the Amy Bradley case that a lot of people throw his name around still now <clears throat> Brad and Amy after their parents went to bed at around 1am that night they went on to a Mardi Gras party in the cruise ship's nightclub now this nightclub I think part of it is indoors and part of it is outdoors it's hard to tell but there is footage that I will link on <clears throat> the episode page for this that you definitely have to check out that I'll talk about in a little bit because someone was filming that night, luckily, for the ship. So we have actual footage of Amy dancing um, and she was dancing to the band, which was called Blue Orchid. And the band member that her mum was talking about, the bass player, his name is Alistair Douglas. Um, his nickname was Yellow and he's dancing quite kind of intensely with Amy. Now, I'll get into that in a little bit, but he claimed <clears throat> and still claims to this day that the last he saw of Amy was at about 1 a.m. Um, and then, you know, he didn't see her again. Now, according to some eyewitnesses, they were saying that at this time, random people like had come on board at Aruba that were mixing with passengers and they didn't know who any of them were, which is really strange, like cruise ship protocol. So that brings us to the morning, the early morning hours of March 24th, 1998. Now, early in the morning, Amy and Brad were dancing at the cruise ship's disco and at around 3.35, Brad returns to their shared cabin. Now, we know this because they had the electronic lock system back then. So they knew that Brad came in at about 3.35 and Amy came in about five minutes later. Now, <clears throat> some people on Reddit forums who are really into this case say that there were witnesses who said Amy was so drunk she had to be helped, but there's nothing to corroborate that. And I think she was probably just buzzed. I don't think she was shit-faced. Now, Amy and Brad sat on their shared balcony. They talked about what they were going to do, you know, that day because it was around 3.30 in the morning by this point. Um, Amy wanted to go into Curacao when they docked, which would be at around 7 a.m. Um, when they were going to dock because she wanted to get cigarettes because she probably didn't want to buy them from the cruise ship because everything's so expensive, but it's cheap in the Caribbean. Now, Brad returned to his cabin after a little bit of chatting with Amy um, and Amy stayed on the balcony just maybe dozing off, maybe just chilling and smoking cigarettes. But she was last seen by her dad because he woke up and looked out on the balcony. <clears throat> he Maybe he could have heard them talking during the night and he wanted to see if they were still there. 
Brad had gone back to bed um, and he saw Amy, her dad, at around 5.15 to 5.30 a.m. and she was sleeping on the balcony. Now, um, around 6 a.m., Ron woke up again. A lot of people think this is weird. I don't. Older people barely sleep. We all know that. Um, And he's on a trip with his kids that, you know, he's keeping an eye on even though they're grown adults. 6 a.m., Ron looks again out to the balcony and Amy is gone in that, you know, half an hour time frame. Ron told Dr. Phil, quote, I immediately thought that she was up on the top deck and so I left to try and go up and find her. When I couldn't find her, I didn't really know what to think because it was very much unlike Amy to leave and not tell us where she was going, unquote. A lot of people also have issues with their dad and think he did something. It's all just bullshit, but they have issues with how quickly he started to panic, which I have to... I have to agree it is kind of strange but then again I don't know the family dynamics my family is not like that I don't think they'd go looking for me so maybe that's just me now the sliding glass door to the balcony was partway open um, when Ron last looked and Amy's sandals were found inside of her suite Um, there was no other sign of her at all now They know that Amy must have gone off shoeless somewhere because she had bought nine pairs of shoes with her on the trip Um, and she'd clearly just wandered out of her suite without her shoes. Now, at 6am later on, when the FBI would look into this, they would be able to corroborate that at around 6am, two other passengers on the ship saw Amy riding the elevator to the top deck. So this would be around the time that Ron's kind of noticed that she's gone. She was carrying her room key, cigarettes and a lighter when she was last seen and she had $100 in her pocket, they believe, as well. Around 6 to 6.30 a.m., the ship was due to dock in Curacao's port. Um, So they kind of trying to get things moving pretty quickly because they're going to let the gangplank down and then, you know, just get... You could just lose her in the crowd. Now, Ivor recounted about realizing Amy was missing quote Ronnie woke me up at 7 a.m and he was gray and he said I can't find Amy and I knew immediately there was something wrong my son went up to look for Amy he was approached by the band members and they said sorry to hear about your sister how in the world did they know anything about Amy being missing unquote now there's so much in that um that kind of spins me around a little bit because she's saying that she's Amy's been missing literally an hour from six to seven and she's a grown woman and she's saying that her husband is gray and so worried which I just I I really struggle with because Amy's like 23 years old she could be in someone's room like getting freaky who knows um but this the thing is that a lot of people talk about in this case is the fact that if indeed the band members were walking past when you know Brad was looking for her and did say sorry to hear about your sister. If that is true, which everything we know is just based on what the parents say, and I don't know if these things really happened. Um, Maybe it's just a lapse in memory or maybe they kind of changed things or added little things in that didn't happen to get the thing moving. But if that really did happen, that means that before she was even reported missing, the band members were saying, sorry to hear about your sister which is such a strange thing to say within an hour um I don't know why Brad didn't ask what the fuck do you mean like it could mean it's just so strange that they're already saying that within an hour like what does that even mean the way that they're saying it indicates that she's been found dead and they're apologizing it's all just very strange now the ship was extremely close to the Curacao port at this time um and it was basically preparing to dock so we kind of can rule out the likelihood that she drowned. Firstly, she was a lifeguard and a strong swimmer. It was so close to port that she wouldn't have been able to drown. And that's what a lot of people on Reddit say that she drowned. And that's like the main place that they hate any other argument about it or any discussion about this case. But it's literally impossible. Like the Coast Guard, the FBI, everyone says it is literally impossible. She would have been able to swim into shore, um, like, or be found. Um, They would have ultimately found her if she fell off around this time, which I'll get into in a little bit. Now, at the time she went missing, Amy Bradley was wearing a short-sleeved white scoop neck body style t-shirt, maroon shorts or jeans, a silver naval loop ring with an embedded blue bead, a man's silver watch with a blue face, a silver college class ring with a black onyx stone on her right hand and a thin silver band with cut out turtle figurines on her left wrist. 
The Bradleys very quickly reported Amy missing to the ship's staff and the captain. Um, and they would say that the officials didn't act very quickly, which may have got the answers, you know, that we're looking for now. Now, Amy's parents said that they asked the ship's staff just not to let anyone off the ship once they realised she was missing. Um, but the staff wouldn't do this and they lowered the gangplank anyway. They also asked them to, you know, put an announcement over about Amy, asking for her to come, you know, back to their rooms. And they refused to because it was really early in the morning and they didn't want to upset other passengers. Now, I know this is going to sound harsh, but I understand all of these things. We're literally talking about... If there's 2,000 passengers, 1,999 people being stopped from doing what they're doing because they're probably thinking that she's a 23-year-old and she's probably passed out somewhere or in someone's room, you know, getting busy. Who knows? And I do understand all of that. They can't really hold you back because they're so close to port when she's missing that then, you know, they're not thinking that she went missing six hours ago and, you know, fell in the middle of the Caribbean Sea. Now, the family got off the ship thinking that at some point maybe Amy disembarked to go and get cigarettes without her shoes. Now, the family searched Curacao for signs of her and couldn't find anything. Ivor said, quote, at approximately lunchtime, the captain said, she is not on the ship. We have searched every nook and cranny. And I said, well, you've got to put a picture out. And he looked at me and said, I cannot do that. It will disturb the other guests, unquote. Now, this is a really common thing with cruise ships they don't want to upset their guests and make it look like this is a unsafe place to be they want them to have you know a really chill time with no issues um i think probably at this time the captain probably did think she was still in someone's room um and when he said that they'd searched every nook and cranny they actually hadn't they would find out later that they'd just done a very cursory search in the common areas but it's really hard to search every single person's room um you know, for a 23-year-old that I do understand all of this and a lot of people are probably going to think I'm a bitch, but I do get this. Now, <clears throat> Iva said, this is a quote from her and I'm just going to read it. Quote, my son was in the fetal position, Ron was vomiting blood and I had no feeling in my arms, unquote. Now, one part of that's, you know, not true. That that This is a very kind of, these are very dramatic things that she's saying. Um I just I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want them to hear it or, you know, family members to hear it. But I think a lot of this, you know, is either twisted or overblown um, a lot of it. Now, she said, quote, the captain made the comment to us that she could have fallen overboard. And I told him absolutely no way. He said we should get off the boat in case she ended up in Curacao, unquote. My gut feeling to this day was someone saw her, someone wanted her and someone took her, unquote. Now, <clears throat> ship can ship officials as i said did their own search they found nothing the search was pretty much just cursory looks around common areas um they basically told the family that they had to decide what to do to get off in curacao or not because the itinerary has to be kept to for the ship um and that you know more time would be needed on the island to look for amy so the family decided to stay behind on curacao which must have been a really scary thing to do when they got to Curacao, they contacted the American Embassy for help. Um, and as a result of this, the FBI also became involved, which is a good thing. Now, Curacao, much like nearby Aruba, is a Dutch island of the Caribbean in the Dutch West Indies, a very short boat ride from Venezuela. Now, on a map, which I'm looking at right now, it's amazing how close it is to Caracas which is one of the most dangerous places in the world the capital of Venezuela it's literally like a short boat ride you've also got Antigua um St Lucia Barbados in the same vicinity um yeah so this is some of these areas are quite kind of dangerous it's kind of down beyond below Haiti and Cuba um Jamaica, places like that. Now, the island of Curacao, I really knew nothing about it other than the fact that it is the, you know, place that the cocktail mixer is named after. Funny story, the first time I used to go out with my brother quite a lot when we were growing up because we were in we were close, you know, in age. And um, one time we went to like this bar and I ordered like a cocktail, which was like named after Blue Curacao. And I called it Curacao. And my brother like looked at me like he wanted to kill me. And then another time we went somewhere and I ordered a schuna and he literally like smacked me over the back of the head. He was like, you are a fucking idiot. So 
The island of Curacao is very small. It's very pretty. Um, the beautiful side of it has turquoise waters, white sand beaches, amazing fresh seafood, amazing diving and snorkeling. The population of Curacao is just 165,000 people spread over 444 square kilometers. Now, that's all the nice stuff of Curacao. It's not really a place that people would go out of their way to go to, like they would go to Barbados or something like that. But Curacao, like all of these places, like we've talked about Jamaica in the past, Curacao has a dark side. It has a poverty rate of over 25% of the population. And as a result of this, petty crime rates are very high. I found this guy on TripAdvisor who wrote this long thing a few years ago about how he went to Curacao. Um, and he got robbed like four times in one day, different ways. Um, he said that the police were clearly corrupt, which most people corroborate, and that they couldn't have given less of a shit. He also said that a friend of his who lives there said all of the police are in with the criminals and it's all this big orchestrated gang. While Curacao is mostly safe for tourists, um, the same crimes as in other areas, you know, other islands in the area happen and drug trafficking is also a big problem through these parts now the bradley's got off in curacao um and the vessel you know the rhapsody of the seas would go on without them it went on to the island of saint martin and then saint thomas the united states virgin islands and then it returned to san juan puerto rico on saturday march 28 1998 now, the FBI ultimately got involved, and that is good because they were able to get answers pretty quickly. They learned that the, th the thorough search that the ship said they had done was not thorough. The common areas were scanned. That was it. Nobody's rooms or anything like that. The FBI, because they got involved so quickly, they were able to fly with the family to meet the ship at their next stop, which I believe was St. Martin, um, so they could reboard and investigate the case further. Now... The thing about the video that we have of Amy is that luckily a cruise ship promoter was on board and he was filming for this, you know, promotional video and he was basically filming the entire week over the ship. He was filming at the nightclub the night that Amy was last seen when she was dancing with Alistair Douglas or Yellow as he goes by. Now, I'm going to put these up on um, the episode, the website episode page because it's crazy that's 98. It is such good footage. It is so clear. It is like it happened today. Um, he was filming from all different angles. It's really creepy kind of watching it because Amy would go missing a few hours later. Du Alistair Douglas is kind of behind her dancing. They're dancing to um, Show Me Love. Show Me Love, that song. And he's kind of like she's kind of like twerking against him kind of grinding against him i guess i don't find anything kind of super weird about it or non-consensual or anything like that amy seems to be into it even though earlier she was calling him creepy now she's clearly drunk a little bit and he has his arms kind of around her front and making her arms and hands go all over the place and he's singing like really loudly to her now you can't tell anything really about him. Uh, I couldn't even tell what his race was, but most sources say that he is either from Aruba or this area, the West Indies. But he's bald guy. He's a big dude. Um, he looks a bit like Pitbull. People say, like Amy's mum, that he looks really nefarious and stuff. I don't get that vibe. I can't just judge somebody based on that um, because if that was the case, I've got I've got such a long story about how I was I was robbed on my 18th birthday, and the guy that I thought had robbed me was actually the one trying to help me, and he was this homeless guy, and I was screaming at him. Um, that's a whole other story. And the hot like jock look looking guy was the one who stole my wallet. Now, at one point in the footage, Amy is waiting for the lift over in the corner like the elevator as you guys would call it in most parts most places in the world um and she's kind of dancing in her spot so she's clearly drunk because i do that kind of stuff like if i'm drunk and lining up for a toilet i'm like really getting into it now two passengers told the fbi that around 5 30 a.m when amy would have left her balcony and her dad didn't see her again. Um, they saw Alistair and Amy together that morning at 5.30 a.m., leaving an elevator to go back into the club. Now, if you believe this, you believe that Amy went back to the club at 5.30 a.m. because these clubs are open all the time on cruise ships, that she had plans to meet Alistair or she couldn't sleep and she wanted to see him again and she went and found him. Now, 
one of them said that she saw him headed to another part of the ship with Amy, um, but he returned minutes later without her. And I couldn't find that corroborated anywhere. Alistair on the ship was brought in for questioning and he passed a polygraph by the FBI. Um, and as a result, he was not deemed a person of interest. Now, you know, total psychos can pass a polygraph, no worries. But one of the famous things about this case is as they were on the ship, her dad was sitting outside the room. And as Alistair left the room um, because they'd given him the all clear, he gave a thumbs up to Amy's dad, which has always been, that would really piss me off if that happened. Like I would have like, I would have thrown him off of the ship if that had happened to me. Um, but maybe he's just an asshole. I don't know. Now, the Netherlands Antilles Coast Guard conducted a four-day search for Amy that ultimately ended on March the 22nd to no of March the 27th to no avail. And Royal Caribbean chartered a boat to continue looking for her, and that that search ended on March 29th. Considering how close they were to dock in Curacao, they found nothing, which I think indicates that Amy wasn't in the water because they would have. And then the family had to go back to the United States. And like, I mean, what can you do? Um, it would be a horrible fucking feeling. Now, Amy's story was featured on Unsolved Mysteries in May 1999. Um, and her dad and her brother kept going down to Curacao, thinking that that was where Amy was, um, which would be a horrible thing to have to do. Ron said at the time, quote, we have reason to believe that Amy was kidnapped and possibly sold into the sex slave market somewhere on the islands. We have gotten thousands of leads since this happened. One of the best leads that we had came from David Carmichael. So with that, let's get into... So if you don't know about this case, you won't know that basically the sightings of Amy over the years are probably the most mysterious part of this case and why people continue to be fascinated with the case um, and when I first saw it on disappeared all those years ago it just it just blew my mind um, and all these years later I'm still so interested in whether or not these sightings are credible now I'm going to take you through them as they happened so not long after Amy's disappearance off the cruise ship docking in Curacao a cab driver in Curacao came forward and he stated that a woman that matched Amy's description approached him around the time she went missing and said she urgently needed a phone um, but he didn't really think anything was wrong and I don't think she ended up getting the phone and that was it now that sighting has never been confirmed neither have any of the other ones because the only way to confirm them would be to find Amy um, so it's really unclear what happened to this woman now that brings us to David Carmichael who Amy's dad Ron talked about in the previous quote David Carmichael was a tourist in Curacao um, and he basically was about two feet from the woman that he believed was and is Amy Bradley this happened in August of 1998 just a few months after Amy vanished now, David Carmichael um, was there with a friend of his, Brian, in Curacao, um, and they were scuba diving on Curacao. Now, he said, quote, I noticed three people walking along the beach. One of them was a young girl and she was flanked by two fellows. She had two tattoos. One of them was of a gecko, the other of a Tasmanian devil. The girl walked towards me. She started to stare at me. Just as she was about to say something, the fellow motioned her away. In the May of 1999, I saw the segment on Unsolved Mysteries. The minute I saw her picture and saw her face, I realized that was the girl on the beach, unquote. In another quote, he says, quote, she told him that her name was Amy Bradley and she begged him for help, unquote. Once she got closer. Now, this guy, he was so certain and it still is so certain that it was Amy that he flew to Virginia to meet her parents. Um, and I believe that he went on Dr. Phil. He's a Canadian guy. He's like a legit guy. He was just down there with a friend. He was able to point out all of the all of the tattoos, which are so unique to Amy. Um, and this, I believe, is one of the what the FBI considers a credible sighting because they say that they look into sightings that are credible. And they've looked into two of these. Now, when Dr. Phil asked David Carmichael if he believed that it was Amy Bradley, he said 100% without a doubt, unquote. That brings us to an, uh, something that happened in January 1999, almost a year after Amy vanished, but this guy only came forward in 2002 to tell this story. So this would have been about six months after David Carmichael's, you know, run-in with Amy. He, this guy was a member of the US Navy, I believe, and he visited a brothel in 1999 in 
I believe it was Curacao. Um, some say Barbados, but I'm pretty sure it was Curacao. Now, he, you know, was paired up with this woman that he believes was Amy Bradley. He said that she told him that her name was a Amy Bradley and begged him for help. Now, he wasn't really getting involved in this because he wasn't supposed to be at a brothel being a member of the navy so he told her that he could she could just go down to a navy ship um, which was five minutes down the road now as amy's mother Iva recounts quote she said you don't understand i can't leave help me please help me unquote but this guy because he wasn't supposed to be there he didn't do anything um, when he saw amy's picture on the front cover of people magazine that's when he contacted the fbi um, because he said it was the same girl this is, I think, the other credible sighting that the FBI believes was Amy, um, and um, so do I. So that's we're going to get into another one that I'm not sure is, and the FBI isn't sure is, but you guys may have your own opinion on it. This was March 2005. Um, I believe the Dr. Phil one was in 2005, but I don't know what month. This woman could be making it up because she saw the Dr. Phil. I don't entirely know. Sounds like a crazy thing to make up. Um, but in March of 2005, a woman claimed to have witnessed a woman that she believes was Amy Bradley in a toilet of a department store in Barbados. Now, the woman said that this woman, who she thinks was Amy, came into the restroom accompanied by three men, which is a similar story to David Carmichael, that she's flanked by men. Um, and these men were threatening her if she didn't follow, quote, through on a deal. Now, this woman was watching from inside a toilet cubicle. So once they left, she approached this woman. She said that um, this woman said her name was Amy and that she was from Virginia. And then the men came into the bathroom and took the woman away. They created composite sketches of this woman, um, which I'll put up on Patreon and you can find online. And it does look like an aged kind of messed up version of Amy Bradley. I don't think the FBI consider this a credible one um, because they said that they follow up on them and they didn't really, I don't know, after the composite sketches, I just don't think that that's one of the ones that they consider credible. But it is featured on the Disappeared episode and it is a crazy fucking thing to make up and to give family hope. All of those details. Now, the woman, there was three, um, four sketches made. One of the woman she believes was Amy and the three males. Um, one of them kind of looks like Lionel Richie. It's just typical kind of thugs in a composite. Now, this was never like confirmed. Now, also in 2005, so I think the Dr. Phil thing really heated up this case because it was about Natalie Holloway who disappeared not long before that. So I think this was getting a lot of traction with Amy's case. Iva and Ron were sent a photo of a woman that was on an escorts website based in the Caribbean. Now, this woman underneath the pictures of her, um, it says Jazz, J-A-S. Now, one of the most disturbing things um, about this is that I it's on the Wayback Machine, on the web archive. This website is now gone, um, but I was able to access it because someone on Reddit found it through the Wayback Machine. Now, this was sent through to the Bradleys by a member of an organization that locates sex trafficking victims on adult websites, which is a real job and a horrible one to have. And they actually, I've seen a thing about it. They actually like match hotel rooms, backgrounds um, with you know, other ones to see if people have been photographed in the same room. It's all, it's all really interesting. Now, this woman, these photos are so convincing that it is Amy. I have looked at them probably hundreds of hours in the last 10 years. Um, and I'll tell you in the end what I think it is. But the FBI was able to do a facial analysis. And basically, they came away and said that they believe this woman um, could be Amy Bradley. Now, these pictures were on a website, which is pretty... I've kind of felt horrible looking at it even. It's it's women kind of who are being um, prostituted, I guess. Um, some of them probably want to be. Some of them don't want to be. The pictures of the woman that they sent through thinking it was Amy Bradley, one of them, she's on a bed with like a heart bed head shape. Um, she's got a little black crop top on. She's kind of got a bit zhuzhed up hair, which is pretty kind of dated for the time when it's meant to be in 2005. Her face is so similar to Amy Bradley's. She's wearing like blue underwear, black 
high heels, like pumps, and she's kind of on her back in a really unnatural position. Um, and then the other one of her is on the same bed. She's on all fours. She has kind of the same hair. It's taken in the same time, kind of crimpy hair, um, either black underwear or a skirt hiked up. She's on all fours, um, no bra on or anything like that. Now, the thing with these pictures is she's posing in such a way that it actually covers up if she had tattoos, there's no way of knowing. Um, but one of them where she's on all fours, I think you'd be able to see the tattoo on her left shoulder. I don't know if that's, if you think it's Amy, whether that's, you know, to hide her tattoos easily, you can get makeup and cover them. Look at Ben Affleck's, you know, phoenix tattoo on his back or whatever the hell um now many redditors because i kind of infiltrated the reddit forums for this and they're really intense about this case like they own it it's really i don't know but they believe that they found a woman who is this woman that's registered as a prostitute in curacao because it is legal and you just register to be a sex worker um and she works at this adult resort so they put up the website of that and i went on it it's literally a resort like disneyland where it's just like 120 naked chicks walking around and that's like this topless adult resort now they were never able to confirm or show that this was this woman um so i went on the website and she's not listed in any of the girls I guess today in 2021 who were working there um but yeah this is just one of those things that is really you really have to contemplate it now usually they blur out the face of women but they didn't blur out this woman's and none of the other women on the website usually they blur them out but I don't think they do down there because it is legal. Now, when they contacted the owners of the website, um, once they were sent through this lead, the website was pretty much immediately taken down and they didn't know where she was based. So it's basically, I can't find the name of it. Um, I think it was like adultvacations.com. They didn't actually say where they were based. Half of them, I don't even think like a women who even know that they're on the website. Um, the the way that the photos are taken and things like that. Um, but when the website, when people started talking about it in relation to Amy Brad's, Bradley, the website was very quickly taken down, but they didn't count on people who know how to use the Wayback Machine. Ron and Brad went back to Curacao a number of times to search for Amy, um, thinking that was where she was last sighted. So that's where she was and where all these sightings were. Um, but they never found anything. Now, I don't want to talk about him too much because he's such a pile of shit. But this guy was hired by the Bradley family. He got in touch with them and said that he was an ex-Navy SEAL, ex-Army Ranger, that he knew that Amy was being kept in like a cage um, in this house in Curacao and basically to send him $100,000 and he would be able to get this operation to basically get her out. He even like hired people who ultimately were his downfall because one of the guys saw him on the phone to Ron Bradley and he was saying that they had eyes on this house and they knew that she was in there when in fact um, they were just looking at a family's house um, and that this guy was just pissing away their money on booze and women down in Curacao. He was a total scammer, total piece of shit. The family lost so much money, their own savings, as well as the Amy Bradley fund that was set up. They, you know, tapped into that as well. He did end up getting prosecuted for fraud. He was ordered to pay back the money. He did a bit of time in prison. I don't know how he's he's ever going to pay back the money. It ended up being like $200,000. It's got nothing to do with the case, but he's such a you know pile of shit to take advantage of, of their misery um, and to literally call them from down in Curacao saying, I can see her, I know, I know she's in this house and blah, blah, blah. And imagine the hopes that they would have gotten up. It's just crazy. Now, seven years after Amy's disappearance, the Bradleys were on Dr. Phyllis, I've mentioned. Um, and the mum said, quote, our lives have been so drastically changed in the last seven years. Every waking moment is, where is Amy? I just want to know that when girls disappear outside the country, they're disappearing for a reason. And white slavery and sex trafficking is so alive and well, it would absolutely blow you away. We believe with every fibre in our being that someone took her and we want her back. And I've tried to make deals with God. If we find her today, you can take me tomorrow. When they say the worst nightmare, when they say it's the worst nightmare, it is. It's the worst nightmare, unquote. Dr. Phil then asks Ivar if he if she believes that Amy is alive and she said quote I do believe she's alive unquote now 
Most of Amy's family, I think, even though it's been basically 22 years, believe that Amy was coerced off the ship, abducted off the ship um, by someone that befriended her, maybe Alistair Douglas. And But they were also able to find that in the days leading up to her disappearance, maritime pirates, which are still, you know, a common thing, were operating out of Curacao and sightings of them were reported where the ship docked. And they believe that maybe they had something to do with it as well. Amy Bradley was declared dead in absentia on March 24th, 2010, exactly 12 years after she vanished. A $250,000 US dollar reward is being offered by the family to anyone who provides information leading to the safe return of Amy Lynn Bradley. A $50,000 reward is offered for information leading to her verifiable location. The FBI is offering a $25,000 reward for information leading to her recovery. So it's basically $325,000 up for grabs if you are able to tell them what happened to her. And that's a lot of money when places that are relying on tourism have been, you know, fucked the last year. So the theories before I get into what I think happened to Amy... The first theory is that Amy was on this trip with her parents. She went out that night with her brother. She got drunk. When he left the balcony, she fell overboard off the balcony. And that's the end of that. You can kind of nip this in the bud because the Coast Guard, the police, everyone was involved and said that they were so close to dock that it was like almost shallow. Um, <laughs> and that it's just impossible that if if she fell off, she could have drowned because she could have been drunk um, but it's impossible not to find her body the next theory is that amy was abducted by someone on the ship and killed on the ship and then removed but the same you know thing goes if she was thrown off they would have been able to find her probably and you know if she was abducted and killed that's another theory something happened to her on the ship and they took her off in something big enough to hold a human body um the next theory is that you know Sorry, I was just going to say with that one, it basically, if you believe that she died on the ship or fell overboard, you believe that all of the sightings, you know, are lies or just got it wrong. The next theory is that Amy was abducted, smuggled into the Caribbean islands and sex trafficked, which is a term that, as they said again and again on Reddit, is thrown around a lot. But in these parts of the world, it does happen. And also a lot of people were saying that there's no way they'd want a white girl when they can just, you know, steal poor people from the Caribbean and sex traffic them. That's such a bullshit like thing to way to look at it. That's absolutely like untrue, um, you know. That's why they look for these white girls when they go missing overseas because they are like a prize to people and they're worth more. A lot of people also wrote there's no sex trafficking there because they are basically, you know, um, poor and do it, you know, for free and shit like that. It's just all so fucking ridiculous. The next theory is that Amy left the ship of her own volition, um, went into Curacao and something happened to her, which I think without shoes or without her backpack or belongings or things like that you can kind of rule that out the next theory is that yellow alistair douglas had something to do with it which a lot of people are up in the air about um because if you take away the things that her family said about him we don't have a whole lot of evidence that he's like a shitty person um the next theory is that amy committed suicide which i think based on her new job her her cat her dog her new home i think we can nip that in the bud um or that amy faked her own disappearance which you know same goes the next theory is put about by people on reddit a lot because they really want to hold on to the fact she fell off the balcony and drowned despite the fact that they've said this is physically impossible without finding her um that amy once brad when amy was vomiting off her parents off her balcony um and she fell over in the process of vomiting um they they really most of the forums i've been on for this really want to hold on to the fact that she fell overboard despite the number of people fbi you know um curacao coast guard all of these people <laughs> saying it's it's not possible because we would have found her body we were so close to shore um they really want to hold on to that so now we're going to get to what i think and i guess you've probably been waiting and holding your breath for what your host thinks about what happened with this i 
I believe that a couple of the sightings are real. So I guess you know where I'm going with that when I say that. I believe that the brothel sighting was real. Um, and I believe that the David Carmichael woman on the beach being flanked by two men sighting was real. I don't for a minute think that Amy fell overboard. I never did. And re-researching this now, I just can't believe that she did. I believe that she was taken off the ship either because she was drunk and they were she was dead from something happening to her and they were getting rid of her body or because she was being taken off for, you know, horrible reasons. It is legal in most of these areas, um, prostitution and sex work. Um, and many say that they could easily get a poor person and not Amy or a white woman. Um, but that's such bullshit. Um, people say that it would be the talk all over town in Curacao if this woman was hidden on this island. But I don't think that's necessarily true from what I've heard about, you know, the corruption in the police force or anything like that. I think the entire case against Yellow hinges on what her parents have said about him and her brother's statement. And I think that they've really pushed it from the beginning towards him to get answers, whether or not that was misplaced um, anger towards him or not. We, I think the entire case hinges on whether or not the bandmates did say to Brad, sorry to hear about your sister. If that happened, that's you can't explain that. And they have to have something to do with it. If that didn't happen and it was made up to get traction on it by the family or Brad, I don't know. Um, it goes the opposite direction. Now, one of the questions I've had about this case for like 10 years is how would Amy get off the ship without, you know, her things and her passport? And I still can't answer that because this is like a new place. You need your passport. Um, so that kind of rules out the fact that she got off willingly like without her shoes without having breakfast without saying goodbye to her parents she was just going into curacao um to get off like willingly you would have to you know have your passport checked because you're in a new country so to speak um now how would someone else get her off seemingly it's very touch and go and you know how they work here in terms of people getting on and off the ship all the sightings of people just random strangers getting on at a ruber and things like that um i don't think it would be that hard to get her off in some sort of like industrial you know bin or industrial laundry receptacle or you know a receptacle for speakers for a band or something like that um now one thing in the favour of her falling off the ship I found is that minimum heights for railings on ships were really low back in the day and the actual minimum height rules and laws weren't instated until the mid-2000s. Now, the railings were quite low and a lot of people point to this as Amy you know, could have fallen overboard as they were quite low. Now, no one heard any scream and I think I can probably rule out drowning. So we have to assume that if they didn't hear any kind of fuss or anything like that um you have to assume that amy was either drugged or too drunk or um hit over the head and unconscious or something like that to be taken off the ship unconscious so how was she taken off you know industrial bins those kinds of things are really common on cruise ships and these band members seem to have you know be able to come and go as they wish and know everyone on the ship and this isn't hard to do in 1998 it's before 9-11 as someone pointed out so security and things like that were a lot more lax I don't believe Amy got off the ship by herself with no shoes no passport and no belongings because that just doesn't make any sense um, and I don't believe she would do that at 6am without telling her parents or having breakfast with them or anything like that so all of this basically points to the fact that to me she was removed by someone um, off the ship Maybe the sighting by the taxi driver of a woman asking to use his phone um, was her breaking away from someone who took her off. I, I can't believe that all of these sightings are lies. It's it's near impossible. I definitely believe David Carmichael's. I mean, how can you get all of that right? Um, it's hard to believe. Now, the FBI said they follow up on anything credible and the beach sighting and um, the brothel sightings were the two that they followed up on. So I think they believe that they are credible. The family's website has been taken down apparently like two years ago, according to Reddit, it was still live, but it's gone now. Um, many of them, many people have a go at the Bradley family for buying into every supposed sighting of Amy um, and not just believing that she fell overboard. But with all these sightings and all of this information, I don't know how people can expect people or the Bradley family to not buy into it when they 
there's so many sightings um, and so many credible people coming forward saying that they saw this woman saying, I'm Amy Bradley, help me. Now, according to the Generation Y podcast, Alistair Douglas went on to find God, um, which is what most serial killers do, actually. He went on to live in England, I think, and work in ministries over there. So what do I think happened? I think that I don't think that it's totally weird that they were fixated, as the family puts it, on Amy or anything like that. I think she was probably just the age of a lot of the staff members and they were just trying to have her and her brother have a good time because they were on holidays with their parents. I think the night that, you know, she went missing, I have a really strong feeling that she had... Brad came in at 3.35 a.m. into their room and Amy five minutes later. So Amy, for some reason, was sticking behind Brad maybe to talk to someone. This is what I think anyway. Um, Someone at the bar that we don't know about, someone at the disco or yellow, who knows. Then she went back to the room. She was kind of waiting for Brad to leave. He kept talking. By this point, she ended up, you know, falling asleep. Then she woke up and she thought, I'm going to go and find this person, um, whoever it is, or I'm going to go back to the bar or I'm going to go have a cigarette on the deck and hope I see them or something like that. Maybe she thought someone was cute or something like that. And then whatever happened from them, I think that it was out of Amy's control. I don't I don't think she fell off. I believe the Coast Guard and the FBI, when they say it's just not possible at that stage, they were docking in Curacao at this point. It was almost shallow water. I think that, you know, the two girls that saw her in yellow, you know, returning to the club at 5.30 that morning, that lines up with the last time, you know, her dad saw her and she was then gone. I think she probably like had the hot frame or something or she was a bit drunk. You know, we've all been like that to people who say that she said <laughs> that she said he was they were creepy, the people who worked on the ship or anything like that. I was reading an article the other day about beer goggles and how strong they are. And they were basically saying that men you know, after just a couple of beers, find women, you know, a hundred times more attractive women. It takes probably four or five, but they slowly start to see men more attractive. Um, so yeah, I think that maybe something happened in terms of she didn't want it to happen, something like that, or maybe she was just ambushed. Maybe she was knocked down. If you're going to go down the conspiracy theory route, as they call it, um, put in an industrial thing, taken onto the island, and then sex trafficked or just made to work for specific men. Um, I mean, she'd be in her 40s now, and that's really not peak age for a woman to be wanted in a ring like that. So you have to presume that she may not be around anymore i just don't know i'm really interested to know what you guys think don't be scared if you think that she fell overboard tell me why um and how but yeah um just too many weird things happened on this just four days um the photo going missing from the cruise photographer who took the picture of amy and brad at that fancy dinner that's you know hard to um, you know you just can't make sense of that the girls who said that she saw amy at 5 30 in the morning going back to the club but then yellow says that that's not true and he last saw her at one i'm more inclined to believe like the girls um anyway so if you have any information about the disappearance of amy bradley please contact the fbi on 202-324-3000 you can also contact interpol at their puerto rican office at 787-722-3045 or you can go on the amy bradley fbi page and submit an anonymous tip which i will put up on the episode page on unknownpassagepodcast.com probably later tonight um and I'll put up the rest of the sources, the videos, all of that, so you can watch all of that and let me know what you guys think. This is one where I'm really interested to know what people think. Um, it's just such a mystery, and it's so sad because she had so much going for her, and um, she had a funny feeling about going on this cruise. <laughs> and sometimes you got to listen to that little niggling feeling, you know. So go to the website at unknownpassagepodcast.com, become a patron, it links off the website, or you can go to the app and search for unknown passage podcast or you can go to patreon.com slash unknown passage podcast.com send through um case requests to unknown passage podcast at gmail.com leave a nice review um if you want to please don't tell me i say um too much or i breathe too much it's like fuck off um so the next episode that i'll be doing is alan alan is now a patron of just over a month um he actually sent me through the part two of the Kim Wall case, which I didn't even know about. So he's been a big help. Um, So we'll be going to a place we haven't been to before. I find it really, 
overwhelming because there's so much about this place. Um, but instantly when I heard of it, I knew the case that I was going to do because I love this movie. So stay tuned, have a good week um, and I'll see you next week.